Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Well, I wonder what your Christmas looks like. What does your Christmas look like? This is my go-to a phrase for Advent 2023. It's a great way of getting to know people. You get a sense of people's families. They tell you about the joys and challenges of getting a harmonious Christmas dinner together. Uh, you sometimes get a glimpse of people's sense of tradition. Someone said to me cautiously the other day, I was thinking of getting a boil-in-the-bag turkey. Do you think that's allowed? I, I know better than to comment on these kind of things. Sometimes you get a sense of what people love. Um, the, the very best bit of Christmas is the walk after lunch, isn't it? I don't know. Perhaps it is. Or someone says, I love Christmas, especially when it's over. <laughs> it's a reminder, isn't it? Christmas can also have a hard edge to it. Uh, missing loved ones, financial worries... Strained relationships. I wonder what your Christmas looks like. I'll tell you what my Christmas looks like. Uh, One child has had their chocolate advent calendar eaten uh, in its entirety by the dog. (laughs) Twice. (laughs) Mercifully, both dog and child have so far uh, survived that particular ordeal. Our Christmas tree, let me tell you about Christmas tree, it is one of the best looking we've ever had. It's also the least stable that we have ever had. It has fallen over four times. On one occasion, narrowly missing the rabbit who was inside for a seasonal warm-up. <laughs> but of course, that's at the superficial level. Like you, I guess, I'm also trying to stay on top of my present admin. I'm trying to be kind and calm. And then every now and again, I look over to the mantelpiece, where the little nativity figures stand. And I wonder, what is this? got to do with that. I wonder whether you ask yourself the same question. What does the Christmas look like? Not so much my Christmas, the one. What does that 2,000-year-old story look like in the bright light of almost 2024? Well, for just a few moments, I'd love to share with you some ancient words Spoken at the other end of his life, the night before he died, the disciples heard Jesus say these words to God. He said this, you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And those words suggest to me that there is so much more in Christmas even for today. But before I explore that with you for a moment, I think it's worth recognizing first just how challenging a question it is to ask, what does the Christmas look like? Every week here at Emmanuel, we have hundreds of people uh, coming through the door. 
And I love how many of those people are exploring. They come and they want to talk about their faith. They want to talk about their questions and their doubts too. And it's one of the greatest joys of my job uh, to have those conversations, to share something about the love of the Lord Jesus that I have discovered with those who come in. But here's one of the great challenges that uh, we're often grappling together uh, as, we, as we discuss. People say something like this. I grew up with a, a connection to church and faith. It's important to me. Um, but there's a lot that I'm not really so sure about anymore. Uh, I, I kind of struggle to believe it. It kind of seems out of step with the world that I live in, with my friends, my work. If people have kids, this is an interesting one. They say things like, um, you know, I'd love my kids to have the option of faith, but I'm not really sure what I think. Uh, where do I start personally? And I think that's just a very honest uh, description of the challenge that we all face. Is it actually realistic to integrate the story of that child back then, the Christ in the manger, with my story right now? Is that realistic? Do I even want to? Would, that, would it be a good thing for me to do that? What would it even look like to tie those two stories together? As I said, those aren't easy questions. But they get to the heart of why I'm standing here today and why still 2,000 years after it all happened, we are singing the kind of words we've just sung. So allow me for just a few minutes to offer a little reflection. At the end of what I say, um, I'm going to suggest to you one of three things. Number one, if you'd already call yourself a Christian, I want to challenge you to make space in this next year to enjoy more deeply and in a new way, whatever that might look like for you, the love of Christ. Secondly, if you're wrestling with what you think about all this stuff, uh, you might want to give some time in the coming year to explore the Christian faith, to, to, to see whether it's something you want to embrace for yourself. And I'll uh, say a little bit how, about how you might do that. And then thirdly, if the moment is right for you, I want to invite you to make a personal commitment to following this Christ. The one in the manger who calls you to follow him and live in relationship with him. And you can do that right away this evening or take it home with you to think about. Let's go back to the question. What does the Christmas look like? What really happened in Bethlehem and what does it really all mean? Well, thank you to all our readers and our singers, our choir, five vocal, for setting the scene so beautifully. This is Jesus' commentary on those events. You sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The first, quite frankly, mind-bending thing that Jesus says is that he existed before his birth. You sent me, he says, of God. He was not just born, he was sent. Now, I have uh, four kids, and I have held each one of these newly born children in the delivery suite, uh, uh, and I've bawled my eyes out each time in wonder, the miracle of new creation. But the wonder in this child is far, far greater. The baby in the manger somehow brings with him into the manger a lifetime of eternity past, already in relationship with the father since the beginning. Now that is mind-bending, isn't it? I, I have no idea how the narrow horizons of an infant's mind overlapped with the mind of God the Son. But when I follow the events of Jesus' life, nothing less really will explain it. 
as Jesus' ministry gathers momentum. Perhaps you've heard about this and read it. He appears to be able to modify the rules of science at will. Storms cease. He heals people just by touching them, as if his health is sort of contagious. He reads people like a book. He knows the internal workings of their mind before they've said a word. He speaks with life-changing authority. He lives perfectly. And then finally, as we will celebrate at Easter, he dies and then rises back to life. He, he must have come from elsewhere. He is not like what we are used to on this earth. He was sent. But of course, being sent uh, doesn't just mean coming from somewhere else, but it means coming from someone. The beauty of that Christmas parcel that you received this week is not just its contents, although hopefully that's really pleasing to you, but it's the, the person who sent it. But they thought of you. They're committed to you. They love you. So they sent it. And that sense of love is there in the manger. But it's not obvious. The love and commitment of God to us is not an easy thing uh, to accept. Uh, we know not everything in our world that's sent into it is welcome. Um, just ask the driver of a ULES camera van. Um, sometimes God seems a bit like that to us, doesn't he? If we're honest, like a ULES camera. God may feel to us somewhat impersonal, an extra restriction. Feels like we were, you know, kind of doing all right without him so far. But the Christ child did not come to restrict. He came to rescue. I was trying to... Uh, fish around for a comparison that uh, uh, would do it justice. Think of the relief convoy that comes to a war-torn land. i never forget the time. Uh, last, a couple of years back, we had some team members from the Ukrainian Bible Society come and join us on our monthly prayer meeting via Zoom. And one of them described what they were doing in their relief efforts. They would uh, gather funds, and then when they had enough uh, to buy uh, enough supplies to get onto a large articulated lorry, they would, they would drive from Slovenia into Ukraine, and they'd go through the bit that wasn't too war-torn, all the way to the westernmost, sorry, the easternmost villages in earshot of war. And there they would distribute food and water, Bibles, they would pray with people. And as they came back, they were so struck, so struck by the depth of gratitude of the people they met. People who were reminded, because of that convoy, that they were not forgotten. More than that, that their existence really mattered. And that's what Jesus' coming is like. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. One of you got that sense that God has come for you. God has come for and then put your name in that sentence. Jesus said to the Father, you sent me. Jesus said to the Father, you sent me. And then he said, with his disciples in mind, you have loved them even as you have loved me. And if that first idea is strange, this one surely is even more extraordinary. Jesus describes the kind of love that his followers have and will experience. Now, in the New Testament, uh, God's love is presented in two different ways. Uh, there is his love for the whole world, for every single one of us, the way he holds out his mercy and kindness to all of us, every last person, despite the fact we so often use what he gives us, but we ignore him and often reject his ways. So there's that arms flung wide, cross-shaped, 
love for the whole world. And then there is this love that we can only experience as we actually accept that mercy. And this is the intimate love of a father with his child. The love of divine adoption. The same love, in fact, that Jesus himself experienced. Now, I think this is really hard to grasp. And I've been a Christian for a while and I still struggle with it. So I'm going to ask you to imagine something, which you may even struggle to do so. But just have a go. Imagine for a moment what might be the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Surely whatever else it was, it was a relationship of incredible intimacy, of closeness. And Jesus said this, you have loved them, the disciples, as you have loved me. Jesus said, we can relate to God just like that. You have loved them even as you've loved me. Now, I don't know what you make of that. Uh, It may be for some of us, that's an incredibly hard thing to accept. Perhaps we've experienced so much rejection in our own lives. The idea of anyone loving us is just unthinkable. Perhaps we, we reject even ourselves. And so it's almost unbelievable that the Lord would love us. For others of it, perhaps we're, we're full of the love of those around us. We're successful, popular, whatever. And it's, for us, the problem is different. We, we can't really see why we might need it. But Jesus says, this is what you need. This is what you've made for. So how can we experience that love? Well, it comes from following him. And uh, I believe ultimately it's a, it's a supernatural thing. It can only be experienced supernaturally. The carols that we've been singing put it so beautifully. The one we just sung. It uses this language of Christ being born in us. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. The time is out for me to explore that here, what it might mean to receive that. I would love to speak to you uh, more about that. Suffice it to say, God isn't just for Christmas. I'd love to encourage you, if you've been struck by that, to uh, think about it further, to hold on to it. You might want to grab a Bible, uh, come and join us Sunday by Sunday in the new year to think about it. Perhaps you like the sound of it. You've got so many questions, though. You'd like to wrestle with some of those. Why not join us on our Hope Explored course that's happening uh, in the new year, three Tuesday evenings about hope, 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 purpose, and peace, and uh, a chance to discuss that each time. But for some of us this evening, maybe a time to say those words that I've just said, again, perhaps for the first time, to begin that relationship of love. And so I'd like to close with those words as a prayer. And uh, I've made this easy. So if you're not sure what this prayer is, you you tonight. You can go home and go on the internet and remember verse 4 of O Little Town and come back to it. So let's take a moment of quiet and then I will close with those words as a prayer. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website emmanuelcroydon.org.uk You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church.
God bless you and have a wonderful week. Bye.